When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great to have your company. Thanks, Hayes and Marta. One year down with another 10 years to come for the run home. That, and you can hear it tomorrow as they step into their second year between three and five right here on SENWA. If you are listening on SEN 657, thank you. Also those people on SEN Spirit 621 through Bunbury and the Southwest. You may be listening on digital radio at SEN Peel. Or in the goldfields, SEN 1611, and not forgetting also on the SEN WA app, wherever you may be. This is Sports Day. I'm Peter Vlahos. Great to have your company. And I expect a bit of activity on the temperate bedshed text machine, which is 0487 736 736, because I'm going to speak to an SEN colleague who does the drive program in South Australia. His name's Kim Dillon. He works with Michelangelo Rucci, and they do a very good drive program on SENSA. And today they got talking about where they feel initially the two South Australian clubs will go, that is Port Adelaide and Adelaide, but they expanded further and touched on some of the clubs out of Victoria and, of course, the clubs out of Western Australia. And Kim Dillon came out and suggested that the West Coast Eagles will be wooden spooners in 2023. And those people that think that they may even press towards the eight are living in the dreamland. So I'm going to speak to Kim Dillon a bit later on. I'd love to get your thoughts on what he had to say, but also I'd like to get your thoughts on where you think the West Coast Eagles are going to finish. In fact, we might just play that bit of audio from the drive program with Kimbo and Rooch, where he said that the Eagles will win the wooden spoon. And I will replay it again when I speak to him in about 10 minutes' time. This is what he had to say. I think West Coast Eagles for the spoon. Wow. Mm. Okay. Be an interesting year. So there you go. I think the West Coast Eagles for the spoon. So that's Kim Dillon. He's going to join us a bit later on on the program. The fallout to the Australian cricket team continues and we know that now Dave Warner has been sent home after he suffered that hairline fracture to his elbow from a Mohammed Saraj bouncer barrage. Josh Hazelwood, who's been recovering from Achilles injury, was also sent home yesterday and Captain Pat Cummins returned home for a family emergency but is expected to be back for the third test that starts on March the 1st. We all know that Mitchell Swepson also returned home for the birth of his first child, but is expected to return to India. The big question is, will he play ahead of Kuhneman and now Murphy? Uh, by the way, Murphy is maybe not doubtful. He should be okay because he's got the days up his sleeve, but the rookie spinner is also nursing a side strain. Uh, Mitchell Stark and Cameron Green, who are both recovering from finger injuries, sustained down under here in Australia earlier in the summer will continue to remain with the side and hopefully will play in that third test. 
So there's a lot of chess pieces being moved around at the moment when it comes to the Australian cricket team. We did hint, even though it hasn't been made official, that we feel that Cameron Bancroft may be called up to replace Dave Warner. Matthew Short certainly impressed today with his maiden Sheffield Shield century. Could he be in the frame? But Andrew McDonald is the coach of the Australian cricket team. And with the batting plans a bit in disarray at the moment, this is what he had to say on that issue. Got ourselves into a really strong position. Uh, felt like we were controlling the game and overnight with a, with a 60-odd run lead uh, and then to go out there and pretty much throw the game away in, a, in an hour um, is really disappointing. Um, you know, there's going to be questions around some of our, our batters' methods. Um, there's no doubt about that. We've got to find the balance between you know that aggressive play and, and also defence and being able to rotate the strike. Um, we felt like we had India in a really vulnerable position. It was the first time in the series that we saw fielders back and, and Ashwin having to actually control the tempo. Usually the field's it's pretty much in a ring field and you know hard to rotate the strike. And we felt like, like Manus and, and Smudge had the game in their control. Um, two for 85, looking to extend that lead and. Um, yeah, the, the rest is, is pretty plain to see, pretty poor. I think it was we we're trying to rush towards a total. It felt like we we're in a good position, 80-something ahead, and you know, we wanted to suddenly be 130 ahead really, really quickly, I think, um, and that's something that you know, we'll tease out with the batters, and, and hopefully we can rep- replicate that position in one of the next two games and, and nail it, because that's going to be the proof. What we learn and what you've learned across the journey is when you get that same situation again, can you execute it? And that's our great challenge. Mm. Interesting comments there from Andrew McDonald. We wanted to get from 80 in front to 130 in front in quick uh, time. Why? Why? There was so much time left in that test match. As I said yesterday, and after speaking to Ian Healy, and he agreed, and we both agreed, that they needed to occupy the crease. And basically, pick off the occasional bad ball. Don't try and rush from 80 to 130. I, I don't buy that, Andrew McDonald. I don't buy it at all. It was poor batting with a capital P. And all of a sudden, uh, the Australian cricket team is in disarray. So we'll see what happens when the third test does start in a few days' time. We're going to take a break. Uh, by the way, before we go to the break, just regarding uh, cricket, uh, WA, after losing to South Australia in their pre- previous Sheffield Shield match at the Adelaide Oval, have gone down to Tasmania. Literally, they've flown down to Tasmania. They haven't gone down as if they've lost. They've uh, headed down to Tasmania. And it stumps on day one. Uh, it is not a bad situation for WA. They were uh, a bit shaky early. Cameron Bancroft, who was hoping for a big score, only made one, went for a drive, got an inside edge. And it was a great catch, actually, down the leg side by Tim Payne, the Tasmanian wicketkeeper. But I had a look at some of the vision I'll tell you what, it was a real green top. It, you could actually not in some ways distinguish the outfield to the centre wicket where they were playing. It was fairly green. And I gather that's why Tasmania won the toss and had no hesitation in sending WA into bat. Bancroft only made one. Sam Whiteman made 40. Teague Wiley, 28. Hilton Cartwright, 56. They all got starts. Aaron Hardy was out only for eight. But the highlight was Josh Inglis, who came in at number six. He made 116 of 134 balls. Great to see him back in form, actually. He hit 13 boundaries. Uh, Stoinis was run out for 14, and then we had the bowlers just contributing a bit. And uh, the WA boys making 300 
off 88 overs, and they have Tasmania, one for five. There were three overs bowled just before stumps, and they got uh, Caleb Jewell. Matthew Kelly did, caught by Inglis behind the stumps for one. So they're one for five in reply. So hopefully the WA boys can get uh, maximum Sheffield Shield points from this game and stay top of the Shield table as they try to make it back-to-back Shield championships. We'll speak to Kim Dillon next. He's going to join us here on Sports Day WA. As I mentioned, you can join us anytime on the Temper of Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. We're here for Kia and the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Yes, shock horror, West Coast Eagles supporters. Uh, and you're probably saying, who the hell said that? Well, the man that said that, he played with a couple of clubs in the South Australian National Football League. Unfortunately, injury uh, cut his career short. And uh, after that, he got involved in the media, spent a couple of decades at Channel 9 as their sports presenter. Now he does the drive show. It's known as Kimbo and Rooch. Kim Dillon now joins us here on Sports Day WA. Kim, thanks for your time. I haven't. hope I haven't upset everyone, Pete. Great to join you. Great to speak to you again. Before we get into what you did mention, we heard the grab from your show earlier today. Uh, you did play in the South Australian National Football League. Tell us about your career, unfortunately, cut short by injury. Yeah, started off playing for North Adelaide, got sacked from North Adelaide, went to West Torrens, which is now Woodville West Torrens, but uh, yeah, had a stack of uh, broken ankle, uh, wrist, uh, thumb in two places, but had about 20 knee operations in the end, and which culminated with a world first cartilage transplant. So I had a uh, dead man's cartilage put in my in my knee, but uh, never played again. So I had the old bone on bone, the femur and the Tibia, yeah. and uh, yeah, so uh, played around the 60, 70 games with both clubs. And you retired, you had to retire, what, at the, the uh, young age of only 25? Yeah, it was heartbreaking at the time, but um, yeah, I did my best to get back, Pete, but it just didn't eventuate, but there's there's plenty of people that have played our great game had similar stories, but it was, yeah, damn frustrating at the time. There's no question of that. Before we talk about the West Coast Eagles and the reasons why you made those comments on your drive show earlier today in Adelaide, can I ask you how the South Australian clubs travelling? A lot of heat uh, during the course of last season on Ken Hinckley. And, of course, the big brand in Adelaide is the Adelaide Crows, uh, who at times looked okay, but, of course, didn't make the finals. Is it going to be an exciting year for the South Australian footy supporter? We'd be expecting both clubs to go up the ladder. I expect Port Adelaide to be in the top eight, and I think they're a chance to be the top four. I've probably got Collingwood and Fremantle dropping a little bit, uh, but certainly Collingwood. We know they had some great escapes last year with some of their victories, and they get Tommy Mitchell in, but they lose Grundy, not that he played a lot. But, yeah... uh, I'm not sure about Carlton. I'll be around the mark. I think Port Adelaide can get there. I think Adelaide will improve. They're probably around that, you know, 9 to 12 wins. 12 might get them in the finals. Um, but, yeah, they're both tracking well. They don't have injuries. Of course, Port have got Horn Francis, so there's a lot of talk about him. But he's only a kid, and he's yet to be proven. How's Willie so, Rioli yeah, the certainly in? Uh, he looks fitter than he was... Uh, the last couple of years, I know he didn't play, but um, he's certainly fit. He was a little quiet in the inter-club trial game on Friday night. But no, they're talking him up big time. We had Ryan Burton on the show, 
uh, yesterday, I think it was, and they've been mesmerised by his skill set. So I think he's going to be a plus for them. No question of that. Now, let's get back to the West Coast Eagles. As I said, uh, we're a bit... In a cocoon here in the West, we love our Eagles, we love the Dockers, we hope the Dockers can go all the way this year and we hope the West Coast Eagles can improve on what was a horrific uh, season 2022. You're feeling there's a bit more heartache for the Eagles fans as far as you're concerned? Oh, look, I I hope I'm wrong. There's absolutely no agenda there. And just in terms of who Madeline picked them to make the top eight uh, last year, I just get a feeling it might be a little tougher this year. Well, you look at West Coast and you try and have a forensic look at all the clubs and obviously there's still a lot of talent on the list, but a lot of them are 30-plus. And, you know, how do you improve, Pete? You bring in Jaden Hunt, he'll give you some run in defence. I like that, but you lose one of the best full forwards of all time in Josh Kennedy. Uh, Jack Redden's been a consistent performer and Junior Rioli spoke of. So you need some of your young players to step up. You're getting a few players back from injury, like Oscar Allen. But there has to be question marks about Nick Natanui playing a whole season. Uh, likewise, with Luke Shuey, with his hamstrings. And so I just think there's a lot of question marks there. Shannon Hearn, 35 years of age. Uh, Jerry McGovern at 31. Luke Shuey, 32. Um, so, yeah, you won two games last year. And I know it was tough, and I know there were reasons. And there was an horrific run of injuries. But I just wonder whether you're going to improve as much as, say, North Melbourne under a new coach who had some good young talent coming through. Um, I just genuinely believe that uh, the bottom's going to be made up of North Melbourne, West Coast, GWS Giants and, and Hawthorne. With West Coast taking off the wooden spoon if you got out your crystal ball? Well, someone has to finish bottom and you have to pick <laughs> someone. So I think it's a, a genuine chance. And... Uh, you know, Jack Darling will be back, I think, on Friday night. I tell you what, if you beat Port Adelaide, if you give them a flogging on Friday night, I know it's only a trial game, I may reconsider. <laughs> but what do you genuinely think, Pete, that West Coast can make the eight this year? No, I don't. And I've I said they would have done well to maybe win between six and eight games, and I'm standing with that. Uh, if they improve... Uh, and they will improve. I think they'll win a few more games here at home this season. I think they're a lot fitter because we got stuck into them last year because they weren't fit. There's no question their pre-season was not good last season. Of course, interrupted by injuries, but they've had a better pre-season. Okay, a couple of soldiers have gone down, but nowhere near as many as last year, and they've confessed that we got it wrong to a certain degree with our fitness last year. They're better this year. They'll be better prepared. So I expect them to maybe win somewhere between six and eight and finish possibly two or three positions outside the top eight. That's my yeah. view. Well, That's my six, view. Six to eight, oh, I think not anyone. If you're back for West Coast, you've won a lot better than that. But uh, I would almost sign on the dotted line for that. I've got West Coast at maybe at best being two and five, two wins and five losses after the first seven games. And you may only be one and six. Uh, I've got North Melbourne upsetting you at Marvel in the first game of the year. I'll give you a win. West Coast Eagles to defeat GWS in Perth round two. Then it's the Dockers, Melbourne, Geelong, Port Adelaide and Carlton. Oh, I reckon they'll lose those five. Mm. Yeah, good I call. hope I'm wrong for West Coast supporters. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's no. a tough competition, Pete. It is a tough competition. As I let you go, uh, can I ask you, you were a good player in the South Australian National Football League. As we mentioned, injury uh, played a part in your career. How was the last touch rule worked in the Sanford? Because they're talking about maybe experimenting that in the WAFL pre-season here. 
Uh, can I ask you if it has worked and if you see life in that role, even extending into the AFL in time? I was a non-believer initially, uh, but I'm totally sold on it now because of the rule changes to the AFL. Now, I must stress, it's not last touch, it's last disposal. And there's a big, big difference. And given the pressure we put on the umpires now with this ridiculous interpretation of insufficient uh, intent to keep the poll in play, it is laughable. The umpires have enough on their plate to be throwing that on top of them as well. Uh, I think it works. If they want to speed the game up, you don't have to worry about another stoppage with the boundary umpire having to throw the ball in. Uh, I think it works really well. And uh, we all know the samples are wonderful competition. So I think it has to happen, and the sooner the better. Do we need four umpires in the AFL? No. I'm not sure of your views. I think it's ridiculous. I reckon it's uh, ridiculous. I, I, I've said my views. They've just got three down, Pat, and it's, it was starting to work to a certain degree, and all of a sudden they put another spanner in the works, and they said in a, an article I read the other day that, you know, just be patient. There will be some teething problems. There will be some issues. Yeah. Well, why go to four when three was starting to work after a few years? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And each umpire will want to impose themselves on the game. That's just another umpire, another 25% of different interpretations now. Uh, don't like it at at all. The game is over umpired in my humble opinion, Peter. Yeah, good on you, Kim Dillon. Thanks for joining us, mate. Of course, people can catch you if they want to listen to Kimbo and Rich on the SENSA app. Uh, it is the Drive program, and uh, you do a great job. Five years and going strong. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day WA. Good on you, Pete, and good luck to our West Coast this year. Kim Dillon uh, joining us from uh, the Drive Show with Kimbo and Roach talking about the West Coast Eagles. Well, do you agree? Do you agree? I'd love to hear from you. Get on the temper at Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. He's done his homework, uh, Kimbo. I must admit he was going through all the information regarding the West Coast, but he reckons maybe two at best five wins and there's a real hot chance they could maybe take off the wooden spoon. 0487 736 736. Love to hear your thoughts on that. We'll take a break. Uh, for Kia, this is Sports Day WA. Sports Day for Kia. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Okay, get on the uh, temper at Bedshed uh, text machine. Come on, Eagles fans, 0487 736 736. Uh, our friend, your friend, my friend, uh, Lisa Vellenbrook says, Hi, Peter. Kim Dillon is full of hot air. Full of hot air. He has no idea what he's talking about. The Eagles are a proud club. We're not dismissing that, Lisa. We know they're a proud club. Uh, they're a proud club. They will bounce back, and if all stay injury-free, they could make the finals this year. That's uh, She's a very proud Eagles supporter. Lease, I agree with you, but I don't agree with you. I know they're a proud club, and their history is terrific, and uh, they just need to show how many flags they have picked up since 1987, but I can't see them making the finals this year. I really can't. Uh, if they stay injury-free, yes, they'll probably win more games than uh, what we expect. 
It's going to be a tough grind for the West Coast Eagles. They'll try and bounce back. They'll be fresh early, but can they run out the distance? I reckon they'll be up. They'll be going early in the uh, campaign, but uh, the big test will be come the middle of the year and towards the end, whether they've got uh, the, the cattle and whether some of their ageing players can run out a full season. So we'll wait and see. But give us your thoughts on where you think the West Coast Eagles uh, will finish uh, this year. 0487-736-736. Uh, Mike from Palmyra has got onto the temperate bedshed text machine. He says, how does rubbing a player out for two pre-season games really punish a player for a drug offence? Of course, he's talking about Jack Ginevan, I gather. Make the suspension count on the actual season games would really send a message. That's Mike uh, from Palmyra. We'll get a couple of others through and uh, we'll acknowledge those in just a moment here on Sports Day WA. It's all thanks to Kia, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. A couple of captaincy announcements today. One down at the Essendon Football Club. Congratulations to Zach Merritt. And this is what he said on gaining the captain's armband at Tullamarine. Yeah, I'm probably not your traditional um, extroverted, outspoken leader. Um, I just love... Love footy, love getting it done, love trying to improve. And um, for me, it's about inspiring my teammates to hopefully reach their potential and inspiring them to be better people and better players. And hopefully in turn, that'll inspire us as a collective to play in a way that um, fans are going to love. Um, you know, my, I think looking back or reflecting over the last 48 hours about what I want to get out of it, uh, it would be to inspire Essendon fans to wear their red and black really proudly again and um, on the back of that as well seeing the next generation of kids um, donning the sash with uh, you know, the number or numbers of their favourite players on their back. Um, it's a great thrill when we, as players, inspire those guys. So I want to give our players the best chance to do that for our fans. So well done to Zach Merritt. He is the Essendon captain for 2023. They haven't gone with the sole captain at the Sydney Swans. Callum Mills, Dane Rampey and Luke Parker will again lead the Sydney Swans as co-captains. The trio will share the role for a second consecutive season after leading uh, the developing group to the grand final in 2022. Uh, let's just have a look at uh, the other captaincy movements. And of course, this is all thanks to our friends at Tire Power bringing you the latest uh, footy and sports uh, headlines. Buy three, get one free on selected Falcon tyres during Tyre Power's best buys on big brand sale. It is a great sale. And we're looking at Lockie Neal with Dane Zorko stepping down as captain of the Brisbane Lions. It all points to Lockie Neal taking over as the captain of the Brisbane Lions. This is what the former Fremantle Dockers midfielder said about maybe taking over the captaincy and also about the training standards currently underway. If the club um, and the players feel that I'm the right person to do that, then yeah, I'd be um, really humbled and excited to, to do that role. I think probably the last two or three years I've been able to come outside myself and um, really try and drive and improve others around me, and especially young midfielders. And Yeah, I think for me the two um, main tickets that I've tried to work on individually is uh, my defensive stuff, so more... Um, running patterns and being able to um, plug some holes in, in defence. Um, that was probably the one area that let us down as a team, sort of through the forward line and midfield. We probably let our, our backs um, out the dry a few times. So trying to tidy that up and drive other guys um, to do the same. There are a couple of things, um, but in general, my sort of philosophy this pre-season is to try and bring as many others along with me and trying to drive standards and train at a high level and, and as I said, try and bring as many with me as I can.
Now, Fremantle Footy Club season launches tomorrow morning. They've got a big breakfast. And we believe, we're hearing reports, that maybe Frio could announce their captain tomorrow morning. Uh, there's, they're pretty hush-hush at the moment, Fremantle, regarding certainly giving interviews out and people talking about the, the pending decision regarding their captain. But we've got a feeling it may be announced tomorrow morning. And if it does, we'll be right across it here at SENWA. Who do you think will get it? Uh, any indication? I think Alex Pierce will get it firstly. I, I just think he's got it possibly. Uh, if you're framing a market, you'd go Pierce, you know, followed by, I think, you know, Sarong would be the outsider. I think it'd be Pierce, Brayshaw, Sarong. Uh, Pierce probably captain for a couple of seasons. The only thing with Alex Pierce, of course, he's been a bit injury prone in the last couple of seasons. And what you really want, as Frio realised last year, uh, Nat Five as captain had that extended period uh, away from the game due to injuries, and finally came back in the final third. But you really want your captain on the ground, don't you? And I think that'd be the only concern if it goes Alex Pierce's way, because the Tasmanian over the last couple of years has been really uh, destroyed by injury. Um, and he certainly has affected the defensive unit at Fremantle. So we'll wait and see. While well, the other hand, you know, certainly Brayshaw and Sarong, even though they're younger, have been far more resilient uh, in the midfield and have played games quite regularly. The other thing that was interesting today is on the back end of the Super Bowl is that Aaron Sipos, the former St Kilda player, he has arrived back home in Melbourne and he was a guest in the SEN Melbourne studios. What a great opportunity. What a great experience for Aaron Sipos, even though he's on the losing side with the Philadelphia Eagles going down. Uh, this is what he had to say about Super Bowl and his part in it. Coming back from my injury as well, and 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 working my way into it, and um, the first one went really, really well. And all I wanted to do is just can kind of continue yep. on with the second one. And um, I've actually just kind of tweaked the the left ankle in on the plant foot, and just kind of didn't get through the the ball as well as I would have liked. And it's um, were you trying to kick it? Were you trying to kick a top or were you trying to kick a drop? No, I was just trying to kick a drop punt, and just honestly just try and kick it high, and, and obviously yep. make them just fair catch it. To yep. be honest, and, and and let them have you know seventy kind of yards to be able to, to mess with, and um, you know it didn't work out in my favour, and uh, we still had an opportunity to still go make a play down there, of course, and um, they just made a better one. I've definitely tried to work on the the floating the floater kind of mm. fair bit and try and figure that out. Um, you know, I think it only you can only do it at certain times and that, but certainly just kind of the way the returners are, which I saw firsthand, obviously in the biggest stage, uh, how they can kind of maneuver their way around and things like that and catch the real simple balls. I think that the way the game's kind of turning is that um, making the returners having a hard time catching the ball to, to start off with. And I think those things are going to be added to the game. So the floaters have come into play. The bananas have definitely come into play Ooh, a lot. Yeah. And just mm. changing the way the I ball like looks it. in the air has been a huge thing. And kick a big banana. I've tried kick to. It. I've actually done it a couple of times this year and actually worked really, really well. They just The returners just don't want to touch the ball if they don't <laughs> see a spiral or obviously the, the drop punt happening. Mm. Uh, that's Aaron Sipos. What an experience he's had, of course, as part of the Philadelphia Eagles makeup. And great to hear him talking about the torpedo pun. As you know, we look back over AFL football uh, and where it is now and what's been taken out of the game and certainly what people like myself grew up playing 
and following. And I'm going to speak to Michael Roberts in just a while. He's the CEO of the West Australian Football Commission. And the waffle's going to change a bit during the course of the pre-season. Uh, they're going to try the last touch or last disposal rule that they've been experiencing in the South Australian National Football League for the last few years. They're going to put that in the waffle pre-season. And the other rule that will be implemented, and we'll speak to Michael about this, is that the umpires won't need to bounce it. It'll all be thrown up. And i got a feeling that that uh, will continue during the regular season. So the official bounce that starts every quarter and when the ball is returned back to the middle of the ground after a goal and it's bounced again, is dead. It's gone in the WAFL. I can't see it returning, particularly after the experiment uh, that they're going to undertake in the waffle pre-season, which is a bit sad in some ways. Again, it's another component of Australian rules football that is gone. The torpedo punt occasionally is brought out, but it's only really brought out when the game is done and dusted and maybe a kick after the siren when you're about 80 metres out and you want to have a shot on goal, you go to the Torby. But really, it's it's gone. The stab pass is gone. The drop kick's gone. There's a lot that's gone. So I'm just wondering uh, now, the bounce is gone. How much more will Australian football change? Love to get your thoughts actually on it. 0487 736 736. That if you looked at the way football was played 40, 50 years ago, even 20 years ago, it is completely different to the way it is being played now. And as I said, I'll bring it up with Michael Roberts shortly. The fact that it appears that the bounce, the umpires will not bounce the ball, and I believe, and he'll probably explain, is that there are some young umpires that come into the system that are intimidated and in some ways are not confident enough to try and master the bounce. So to get more umpires into the game, they're saying, don't worry about the bounce. You can just throw it up, which is pretty easy. Hence, there is not that fear of failure with a young umpire coming into the system. Is that the way to go? Maybe it is. Or is it a case of, let's try and do some serious training to make sure you can perfect the bounce? Because for 100 years... A lot of umpires did perfect the bounce. And all of a sudden now, with officials not wanting to be involved or get involved in the game, they are trying to make it easier for these officials to be coaxed in and to become field umpires. So they're saying, you can throw it up. You don't need to bounce it anymore. Uh, Just going back to Frio, it appears that they've released their brand new slogan for 2023. It's called Stop at Nothing. Uh, The video has been released. I actually caught it uh, just a short time ago before I came on air. It's very, very good. Very good. It's like the perfect storm. There's huge waves crashing over the docks and the players are getting sprayed by water. It is a very good video. And I must admit, Frio do this very, very well. From a social perspective and trying to cater for the younger demographic, I think Frio get it. Any young person that sees that video with that slogan attached to it will be very impressed indeed. All right, enough of me talking. We're going to take a break. I'll come back with Michael Roberts, the CEO of the West Australian Football Commission, next here on Sports Day WA. Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos on this Tuesday. And you can almost smell the ointment in the air because footy is fast approaching. 
You just sense it uh, with only one week left of summer. Then we're into autumn being March. And March is, of course, when the AFL starts. And as we know, Easter, early in April, is when the WAFL competition gets underway in a big way. And there's been a few things happening behind the scenes. So it's great to have the CEO of the West Australian Footy Commission joining us here on Sports Day on SEN Statewide uh, this afternoon in Michael Roberts. Michael, thanks for your time. Thanks, Peter. And I know it's belated Happy New Year, but I think it's the first time I've spoken to you in 2023. Did you enjoy a little bit of a summer break? It is. Uh, yeah, it is the first time we've had a chat. And um, no, I did. I did. Uh, and uh, as you know, working in uh, in football allows you a, a nice time over summer where you can actually get a break. So uh, it's been fantastic. But uh, really looking forward to football uh, beginning again. Yeah, and it's going to be a busy time. Can I just confirm something? I heard something today that I believe that the Commission is pretty close on deciding where the grand final in the Waffle will be staged in 2023. I was told today that it looks like being at Optus Stadium. Is that correct? Uh, the board had a meeting last night where it was discussed. Uh, we need a bit more information to, uh, to clarify a couple of things, but uh, we're expecting an announcement or to be able to make an announcement in the next sort of 24, 48 hours. So uh, stay tuned on that one. So stay tuned. The next day or so, we will know where the Waffle Grand Final will be played. I gather, Michael, without giving too much away, there's been some valid cases to bring it back to Optus, Optus or stay at Suburban Grounds, where it's been very successful at Leaderville over last year and, of course, prior to that at Fremantle. Yeah, look, the, the venues over the last couple of years have been fantastic in their own right. Um, you go back to 2021 and... Um, on the back of the AFL Grand Final, we were able to get around 30,000 to uh, to Optus Stadium um, <clears throat> and really have a carnival of um, or a festival of football. And then uh, last year, we, we went to Leaderville and, and had Footyville. Um, and again, packing out a community ground with that feel um, was great as well. So uh, both venues um, are, are suitable. Both have their... Uh, own nuances and, um, yeah, hopefully in the next day or two we'll be able to uh, announce where we're going for 2023. And before we just leave this topic, is it more about giving something back to the players in relation to playing at the best venue in Western Australia and regarded as possibly one of the best stadiums in the world or giving it to the fans to experience something a bit special at a suburban community ground where, as we know, the host club can also financially benefit? Yeah, I think you've you've actually thrown up probably the two biggest um, things that we we talk about, and you know we want to be the best, and uh, but at the same time, Waffle needs a differentiator from the AFL. Um, the community feel is something that we we're really big on. Uh, we're we're going to have a new marketing campaign um, probably for the first time in in, uh, <clears throat> in the history of Waffle to to actually promote what Waffle is and and how good it is as a as a community game and. Um, but also that pathway to the elite. So it, it did take into consideration all discussions that we've had is, you know, the, you've got the best stadium in, in Australia and, and one of the best in the world that we've got access to, but at the same time, you've got something that differentiates Waffle and um, brings such a great vibe to the community and, and the host venue. So, uh, yeah, it, it hasn't been an easy decision and, and all of those points have been discussed uh, in depth. Okay, let's just move on. Another, I spoke to Kim Dillon, my colleague, in South Australia, on SEN South Australia, apart from predicting that he thinks the West Coast Eagles 
will possibly take out the wooden spoon this year. We did discuss about the last disposal rule that's been in vogue in the South Australian National Football League competition now for a couple of seasons, and the Waffle will trial it pre-season, correct? Yeah, that's correct. It's uh, one or two rules or two changes that we're, we're going to trial during the, the pre-season. Uh, but I guess the purpose of the last possession rule is to try and add a bit more speed to the game, um, hopefully some higher scores and more of a uh, more of a, a spectacle for the fans to, to be able to see you know, that fast pace rather than the stoppages. So it has worked successfully in um, the Sandfield for the last few years, but uh, we'll go through the process of trialling that, getting some feedback from the players and the clubs and, and seeing whether it's something we look at introducing uh, in the future. Uh, and then the second one is... Um, we're going to trial removing the um, the centre bounce and, and having a centre, um, just the umpire throw the ball up. So our feedback from the umpires is that, um, you know, it might be something that uh, is prohibiting some um, some umpires who are really good decision makers from actually progressing. Um, so if we can do something to make umpires' lives a lot easier in the game and they focus on the actual decision-making during it, the competition, then uh, that's something we'll trial as well. So the centre bounce has gone in the WAFL. We've seen the last of it. No, look, we, we are trialling it. Um, we will get our feedback again, but, um, you know, I think that's probably, that's an easier decision to make um, than the, the last possession. I, I think we really need to consider our umpires and the feedback. And, uh, you know, it is a workplace for them and uh, recruitment of umpires is, is crucial for our game. And if we can make make it easier for them and uh, make it, uh, I guess, enable them to focus more on the decision-making and uh, hopefully not put any barriers up for people progressing through the ranks, then uh, that's only a good thing for football. The other thing that I spoke about last week has got wind of the fact that possibly Michael Randall, who was ousted for two years for taking uh, performance-enhancing drugs, he was banned by for two years, uh, and he has appealed regularly, I believe, to try and get that suspension time reduced. And he was successful at the last hearing, I believe, last week to get it reduced. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong, by about four months, which means he could be playing in the early part of the WAFL season for East Perth. Can you just confirm that is the case? And what has been the process with Michael, who has been so keen to get back to playing footy? Yeah, look, it has been the whole... um I guess, uh, prohibited substance and, and the anti-doping um, and Sport Integrity Australia and the AFL, it is a complicated process. Um, so, yeah, Michael was um, found guilty going back in 2021 and was um, banned for two years. He had appealed twice um, and his second appeal uh, was successful. And, and uh, you know, it, it's a reduction of four months, but um, for Michael that, four months is, is crucial because it, it means that he can play this season. Um, if it wasn't, if it was two years, then it would have been two seasons that he's out of, um, you know, and, and full credit to, to the East Perth Footy Club who, who picked him up during uh, his suspension and, and have helped him with his uh, appeals. Um, you know, it, it does mean that he's, he's able to be back at training with the uh, East Perth Footy Club in in uh, early March, and uh, he can participate as a uh, in competition um, from early May. So uh, it's good news for him that uh, he's able to get back on the park. Good stuff. And just before we let you go, Michael, of course, uh, junior participation in any sporting code is the lifeblood, uh, hopefully keeping uh, young girls and boys in the sport and they become seniors and stay with the sport. I believe that junior registration is not far away, and let's hope there's more people playing with that oval ball. 
Yeah, look, we, we've seen some really pleasing signs. Um, There's been a bit of a rush, in, especially around the Auskick numbers. Um, so it's good to see the kids are transitioning out of the summer sport, getting ready for winter sport. And, uh, you know, this time last year, we were we were under the COVID restrictions, which seems a, a lifetime uh, ago. But, um, you know, really hopeful that we have a great season of, of football uninterrupted and, uh, you know, those parks and, and footy fields are full of young kids and boys and girls uh, alike. So uh, we're really looking forward to a solid year of football this year. Good on you, Michael. Thanks for joining us and we'll keep in touch here on uh, Sports Day uh, with yours truly during the course of the build-up to the waffle season and, of course, uh, right through the season as well. Lovely to chat to you and we'll do it again soon. Thanks a lot, Peter. Michael Roberts there, the CEO of the West Australian Footy Commission, joining us here on Sports Day. All thanks to Kia. Some interesting uh, points there. Uh, it, I believe what he said about the umpires and the ball being tossed up. We have seen the end of the centre square bounce. The bounce that was synonymous with football at the start of the game, at the start of every quarter, after a goal was kicked, I reckon is finished. They will trial it pre-season. As Michael hinted, uh, it's certainly one rule that they can activate quite easily. And I'd say it will be activated straight after the pre-season to say that all waffle umpires in the future now will only throw up the ball and the bounce is dead. Which is a bit sad, really, because as we know, it's been part and parcel of the fabric of Australian rules football. A sport that I can't believe changes so significantly almost now every year. Anyway, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment. Thanks for your time here. You're listening to Sports Day WA. It's all thanks to Kia. You can join us anytime on the Temper Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. And as I leave you, let's check for New Farm Australian through and through the weather details for tomorrow. And it's cooling off a fraction Gee, it was humid today, wasn't it? Particularly this morning. For Perth, we're looking at a sunny day. There'll be light winds in the morning and then they'll turn fresh southwest to probably around about lunchtime, dropping to a low tonight of 18 up to 29 tomorrow. And for Thursday, it gets even a bit cooler, actually. 16 to 27 will be the temperature range. For our friends listening on SEN Spirit 621 in Bunbury in the southwest. In Bunbury uh, tomorrow, the cloud will clear. The temperature dropping to 17 tonight, up to 29 tomorrow. And on Thursday, the temperature range 15 to 25. That's all thanks to New Farm's products. They're formulated with the highest quality right here in Australia. New Farm, Australian through and through. Thanks for joining us uh, this evening. Hope you've enjoyed the program. I'll be back again at 5 o'clock tomorrow. So will Jimmy Williams, my producer, and Lee Fletcher, the uh, panel operator. They do an outstanding job. I'll be... uh, Coming up straight after the run home with Hayes and Marto, which goes to air between 3 and 5. I look forward to your company from 5 o'clock tomorrow, right here on SENWA.